All right, all right. Good morning. We got a lot of news to cover for the week, including the latest data of what has been going on with the real estate market. I'm sure there's a lot of information that you want to know, and I'm going to cover that on this show. A couple of big news of the week. Elon Musk bans remote work at Tesla. Musk cuts to affect salary workers by a potential up to 10%. Pooled job offers shock tech workers, which is very bad for reputations. And we're going to probably keep seeing this over and over. Big tech gains from small tech busto. Not all companies are laying people off in, in preserving capital. Next, Bay Area homes are undervalued? What? I thought everything is so expensive here. How can it be possibly be undervalued? And last but not least, elite San Jose private school faces a public challenge, which is housing. Let's get into it. Good morning, Rich. Let's do it. So headlines of the week. Let's first begin with the big one. Elon Musk ultimatum to Tesla execs. Return to the office or get the bleep out. I love this. This is not necessary, but they have it anyways. World's richest man demands at least 40 hours a week in office. Those who oppose should go pretend to work somewhere else. Here's the actual email, which is great. I, and I love bold leadership. You don't need to agree or disagree, but you need to have a team that, that will go with it or just leave. I know if you think about like Coinbase, I know now no, they're not doing so well, to be fair, but Brian Armstrong at the time, he was like, okay, we don't want politics in the workforce, right? We don't need that here. It's, this is not the mission. This is not the core drive. Same with Elon, what Elon Musk said. Look at this. Let's read this together. Everyone on Tesla is required to spend a minimum of 40 hours in the office per week. Moreover, the office must be where your actual colleagues are located, not some remote pseudo office. If you don't show up, we will assume you have resigned. No severance. Straight up, you quit. The more senior you are, the more visible must be your presence. This is why I lived in the factory so much, so that those on the line could see me working alongside them. If I had not done that, Tesla would have long ago gone bankrupt. This is actually fantastic. Not a lot of people hear about this story. Uh, check out the recent video. came out, I think, one day ago by the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley. Great job, by the way of doing the interview with Elon Musk in Austin uh, of the real beginnings. Like, what was it really like? People don't understand. They just see the gl glitz and glamour of, oh, he's now the richest person in the world. He's now being a dictator. No, 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 no. Understand what he had gone through to make it what it is to being one of the best products in the world. And he, he continues to still do this today. Right. He'll still live in the Shanghai factory when it was being built. He'll still live on the factory floor because when other people, just like a general, when other people on the team see how committed he is, then they can follow suit. Like, man, if my leader is doing this, why am I not putting all this work and effort into it? Right. And to be fair, the people at Tesla, it's not like you don't get rewarded for such things. It's not like he's asking people to work slave labors and not getting paid. That's a different thing. People can get people are compensated, can get compensated very well for this for this. And uh, so for those, you know, that's what he's really harping on. And look at this. I love this. There are, of course, companies that don't require this. But when was the last time they shipped a great new product? It's been a while. Love it. Absolutely love it. Tesla has and will create and actually manufacture the most exciting 
and meaningful products of any company on earth. This will not be this will not happen by phoning it, it in. All right, tell me what you guys think of that. I I I love the fact that he's so uh upfront and blunt about it. And there's not that much notice. So for those that have been kind of, you know, living somewhere else and doing this remotely, you know, Tesla for the most part hasn't been that way. He's really been wanting people in the office for a long time. And this is the clear reason why. If you don't agree with it, try to go find another job. Now, the thing moving forward, though, is a lot of those jobs that are quote unquote flexible were these younger companies that were already kind of struggling to bring on talent. They're even more struggling now because of combination. They're cutting jobs. So that's a big problem. You can see they were kind of gun ho in the beginning. Now they're cutting jobs. And then number two, it's also a problem where now their stock is worth much less than before, right? Or it could be completely underwater. Like if you look at the valuation rounds, most of the valuations of these companies that are private companies have been a down round. So many of them may be underwater if they just joined in the last couple of years. And so like these things have all this, all this, oh, remote work, all these, all these things about, oh, we don't need an office. These companies are just doing whatever they can to attract talent. Those people are not going to be hiring as much anymore. But who are the ones that still want people in the office who are still making a lot of money, who are actually still hiring? Well, that's usually big tech. And so that's the situation what's going on right now. So real, I, I, I like the stance because he's very firm at it. There's no wishy-washy. Um, and so that's that's a, that's you know, if you don't like it, then, then leave. It's very simple. And if you now if you want to leave, your options are a whole lot less than they were before. At the same time, what are they doing? He's planning to cut salaried workers. They're going to still hiring. So this is a big, big thing, right? This is a big thing. They're still looking to hire uh, a lot of people in the factory, mainly in the factory side of things. But from an office employee perspective, which are salaried employees, they are planning to cut people. And I think there's up to 10% of the workforce. And there's many things. I think there's several things. Now, Tesla, to be fair, has 100,000 employees. So it's no small company. Now, 10% of salaried workers, a lot of these 100,000 employees are not salary. A majority of these are hourly and they work in the factory, work in these other service-based industries, especially there's so many service centers across the entire world. So my guess salary-wise for a company this size, I probably guess, and you tell me if I'm if I'm accurate, my guess is probably 15,000 is total salaried workers. For the company that says, my guess is that I think that's even a lot, maybe even less than that. 15,000 salary workers. So they may cut as much as 1,500 people. On one end, that's not good news. On the other end, a lot of companies are doing this because they know they had too much bloat, right? They grow fast. They were able to kind of get by when things were very rosy. But now when things are getting dicey ahead, then they want to cut that bloat out so that they can be much more lean and efficient. Uh, and that's going to be happening across almost all companies, right? Because there's a lot of people that have been, to be fair, slacking off in the last couple of years. But let's just be honest. It's been very real. This is not just, I mean, Tesla has probably ran it um, ran it a certain way. But in general, like they have been able to kind of coast. And I know a lot of people have gotten real estate licenses at the same time doing these kind of side jobs. And so that is greatly changing, right? And I, I that's my guess. And I suspect this will be the case where uh, quite a bit of bloat will be in 
a lot of people may naturally not wanting to be, you know, naturally resign themselves, right, for not being in the office. So that is likely to happen too. But be be wary and be aware of that. Next, pool job offers shock tech workers. Yes, this is going to continue to happen, and it's very um, very difficult and uh, challenging, especially for those that you know they they accepted other job offers. They uh, may have their visa on the line to join. But a lot of these unicorns, uh, from a valuation perspective, because getting a unicorn status was a whole lot easier before now that now versus now, they're doing a lot of job cuts and they're preemptively doing it. So there's two ways that a tech company can think about this in this situation, right? If there are headwinds ahead of us, what do they do? Do they try to outgrow it, which would be very difficult, or do they start conserving money by being more on top of it, being more lean, so they have a longer runway to try to survive one and a half, two years out, right? Because this is this is the new reality of where we're at. It doesn't mean now at the same time they're not firing everybody. They're not like closing shop. So that's also applicable for individuals like yourselves that are in the housing market. You may not go as great as before of really stretching your budget, but it also doesn't mean you don't do anything and you keep paying rent or you keep living in this small little place that you're unsatisfied with. Same idea for these companies. They're all just budgeting money. They're being more conservative, but they're still spending money. They're still moving forward because they still have to grow. They still are thinking long-term of, you know, how do we get to the next milestone? They can't just close up and just close up shop and just give up and hoard cash. So hopefully those are also lessons learned, but they'll just be more conservative. And I tell my clients the same thing. If you're buying a home, you should still be buying. That's not a question whether you should be buying or not. You can be more conservative. Maybe before you were looking at a 1.5. Now maybe you start off with a starter home. Get out of your rents because rent has also gone up and buy something smaller and live in that for the next couple of years. Ride this out and then you'll be in a great position afterwards to be able to buy that next and bigger home. So lots of opportunities there. No different than what these companies are doing. Conserving capital, being more lean, but still making the investment. They still got to grow, Right. Big tech gains from small tech busts. So that's the thing. Like on the one end, you're going to keep hearing these news over and over again every week. It will not be a surprise that you hear rounds of layoffs, especially for these cash drunk startups. Right. And what does that mean? They've been burning like crazy because they actually may not actually have a real viable product that can be cash flow positive. They were just banking on VC funding and spending like crazy. And and now they're going to go potentially bust. They just never had something real. So what does that mean? All that talent that got attracted from these dreams are now potentially back in the workforce, which is a great opportunity for those that are in other companies that have been more profitable, have been more disciplined to bring these people on. So you see a lot of crypto imploding. A lot of people from crypto came from big tech and they were actually a lot of executives from there. Now they can always come back to big tech. And that's the thing about the beauty of the of the industry. They can always come back. But now that that option is gone, uh, we should see a, a lot more consolidation. But do not be surprised that on one end, you're going to see lots of bad news of people getting laid off. On the other end, look for a lot of things. They're not, they're not going to showcase those companies that are hiring. But look on LinkedIn. You'll see across the board. People are hiring all across the board on, on LinkedIn, uh, for their companies, whether it's Google, 
I know even whether it's, uh, I think even Apple, I know I think Slack is doing it. There's, there's lots of companies that are still hiring because we still have um, very uh, a very small workforce relative to the opportunities that lie ahead. So this is a fun one. Bay Area homes are undervalued. Fortune magazine. Housing prices in the Bay are far from affordable, as many you know, but new data suggests prices in the Bay Area may even be undervalued. An article by Fortune magazine says two-thirds of the nation's housing markets are overvalued, particularly in places like Austin, which I brought up so many times, and Charlotte. That's interesting. So why are some places much more overvalued than versus undervalued? At the end of the day, do not forget how housing prices is should be supported over a long period is by employment. It's also by income. It's not by quote unquote, it's a cheap place. You can have many places that are cheap, but they're still overvalued. Why? Because the income there does not support it. Now, I'm going to say two things about this, to be fair. On one end, when, when it comes to the Bay Area, the income to homes are still undervalued. Fact, compare your income amount here versus a, a, a regular housing, not a fancy house that you want to live in Palo Alto that you think everybody can live there. No, the Bay Area is huge, right? The Bay Area has tons of opportunities. You can live in San Jose. You have single family all over the place. You can live in condos, townhomes. There's lots of housing everywhere. Let's not be, oh, I want to live in this Texas house in the Bay Area and pay Texas prices. No, that's not how it works. But at the same time, understand that. What is your income? relative to the value of a house. Move that with another area. What are the medium incomes in Austin, in Charlotte, relative to the value of the house? It's actually not as good, it's much worse. That being said, a, a lot of people in the Bay Area have a lot to do with tech stocks and uh, the stock prices are certainly a big, uh, big part of it. And so this was a report, I think, from before when things were very strong when tech companies were very strong. So I would say things have changed. But if things were more, 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 I would say flatter than it was like than it is now, I would say things are probably overdone for many of these big companies. But if things were underdone, then in general, that total comp or even just a salary alone, quite frankly, is actually quite high versus other areas. But the other thing is the confidence level has also been damaged. So a lot of people have given up right now. And that's a different matter, right? Because it's also psychological. Like they lose money on stocks. They say, oh, this is, I can't afford it anymore. Technically, most people can still do it. Just because interest rates are higher doesn't mean you can't all of a sudden buy a home. It just means you have, your expectations and the interest rates are going to be different. But it doesn't mean you straight up just can't buy a home. So those are the things that people have to just realize. Just do that math. You'll see it for yourself. Now, yes, if you have the ability to have Bay Area income and live in other places, and you're able to keep that for a long period, then yes, and that's very, obviously, now you have an unfair advantage, but not everybody has that. And as you will see, a lot of companies may not allow this anymore. Uh, I, I suspect that this return to office will become even more prevalent than before, given now those other young young bucks, young companies aren't hiring anymore. And, uh, and we're gonna see those flexibilities, those perks potentially be gone. Next, elite San Jose private school faces a public challenge housing. 
the Harker School, which is one of the one of the best schools, to be fair, uh, best private schools, just in especially in the Bay Area, world renowned. So what they do? How are they tackling housing, affordable housing for teachers? They found a solution. They're going to build some apartment buildings, or buy, they're buying two apartment buildings for three point eight million dollars to convert to staff housing. But the reality is, is like how many people are going to fit in this? Three point eight million. I think the the keys there might be seven eight hundred thousand. Well, maybe less, maybe if you're lucky, 500,000. So that fits what, like 10 people, right? And that's the downside, right? Just you should spend 4 million bucks to, to get, uh, you know, to get that. I think a couple options could be for the schools is they can, they can do what they're doing. And you know, they're able to buy apartments, which is pretty, pretty amazing. They can do that. They can then split it up, maybe make it into smaller housing. Hopefully they can work with the cities. I wish the cities can do more with that. The other option is, I know it's a little bit, I'm, I'm just talking out of the blue here, but what if there was ways to like, you, they have a ton of land. Can they not almost build like housing, just like a, a university or a public facility has? Like, can they not just build it on some of the, like the grass or something? Some of the playing field, do they really need that big of a playing field? Like, I think there could be opportunities there. I mean, you see that happening in university campuses, if they're able to subsidize completely, or if Harker, you know, they pay, um, generally private schools pay actually, uh, teachers less than public schools, but maybe they can subsidize some for rents because look at how much they're charging for tuition. Right? The question is, where does this all go? $39,000 for elementary students, $56,000 for high schoolers. This is more than uh, more than colleges, right? And so the question is like, where does all this money go? Does it go to the pockets of individuals? Is the PL uh, that lean that actually when you pay off the land and the teachers and things like that, there's no more money? Kind of interesting, right? Because it's like a, it works both ways. Like people are like, I pay a lot of money in tuition on one end. At the same time, they're like, well, uh, these people are underfunded. They can't be able to support their lives. They can't get paid more. It's always an interesting thing. I don't have the, I don't have the insights, but if you have any insights, leave in the comments below with what you think has been going on here related to housing and uh, what they could try to potentially do in this, in this situation. All right, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. Uh, then we'll go over the data of the month. But a couple of other things I want to bring up. Bay Area remains only region on either coast where rent hasn't reached pre-pandemic rates yet. I would suspect this is going to continue to change, though. They are catching up. I would suspect that over the next few months, we will pass those levels. Because as people give up on buying a home, we still have inflation. Rent is still going up month over month. I suspect these will, things will keep happening. But I do want to point out a couple of things, which is really interesting. I remember back in like pre-COVID, there was a very short period where San Francisco rents were higher than New York. And, I, and if you remember that time, leave it in the comments below because that was the peak time, right? New York was not doing as well and San Francisco was doing extremely well. And then several things happened, right? Obviously the pandemic happened. People, a lot of people in San Francisco were because of jobs. Uh, so that was all now, a lot of that has been more flexible and remote. And so they've dropped a lot. And they're quite frankly, there's been a lot more inventory that has come up. So there's been a lot more uh, new construction of either apartments and or just condos that have been up and they couldn't sell it. So they may actually have converted it. So that has certainly changed. But I suspect that this will continue to rise. I don't think it will pass New York, to be fair, anymore. New York has been a very popular hotspot for a lot of friends and clients of mine, um, uh, especially at least to try it out for a year. 
Um, so I, I suspect that will not be surpassing them again. But one of the ones that have taken a huge rise is those that in Miami. I mean, Miami is really interesting, right? There's no rent cap there. So I think Miami has increased 15, 20% in a year, and they can keep doing that. So Miami will have very interesting challenges ahead of them if their income cannot support it. So we will see what happens over time. Last news, there are three real estate. I like, I like how they say it's real estate tech companies. Are they really tech companies? Yeah, maybe from a valuation perspective, but I don't, I don't agree. Real estate tech companies move into the Fortune 500. Can they become more than money pits? Take a look at this. There's three that have joined. How do you get to the Fortune 500? It's by revenue. So they saw very big gains right over the year. So you have Zillow, you have Open Door, you have Compass. The trio were among the most unprofitable outfits on the register, losing $1.7 billion combined. So not good news. Uh, very, very bad news. I suspect my guess is that one of them, which one of them, one of them may not be on this list probably for too long. Uh, maybe two of them, to be fair. And uh, so you'll be interesting to see now because this is all about revenue. And that's all one thing when things were rosy and people don't care about losses. People will now care about losses. And you can see valuations have dropped uh, very significantly on that end. OK, let's talk about the data because you guys have been waiting for that. So new listings for this week, 168. Mike talked it before. Keep in mind, we are entering the summer season. So with it, as we enter in the summer season, we will see less homes likely on the market. Now, I think this also does, let me think, 527. This was also the Memorial Day weekend. So we also have that impact too, uh, that we'll have less. But to be fair, given this was just till Thursday, yeah, I mean, we should suspect less. It's, it should not be unusual. But I want people to understand where prices have been. So as you can see, this is San Mateo County for single family homes. When, when prices decline, it's also important to understand where, where are prices going? Where are they at? Like how much did they decline by? Because you also want to have a gauge, right? Like you're buying things now at a discount versus April, which is great. So if you compare against April, you have a discount. But what is that discount? Right now, the discount is, I would say, probably about 5%, 6%, which is a very good discount. And so keep that in mind. When you're buying things at a discount, you have to still have to still look at numbers. You'd be like, okay, well, what's a fair number? Because the fact is homes are still selling, right? I mean, look at this. There's still 94 homes that week, which is still a fairly high number relative to the amount of new listings that are still moving. And they're moving because people are educated and understand, look, we are already buying things at a discount. Don't go too crazy and be like, I, I want all of a sudden things back in 2020 levels. Like, that's just ridiculous. If that's the case, just wait and see if you are correct. It's very simple, right? But if not, understand, like, you're already buying at a discount. You still want to buy the home, right? There's no point just browsing for homes, making lowball offers, wasting your own time and energy and hopes. That makes, you know, it doesn't make any sense. If, if you really think that the market will drop by a lot, you might as well just relax and don't do anything because this is not the market for that. But you can already buy things at a discount. That's what I want to illustrate across the board. So San Mateo County, you can see it's been a bigger decline versus April than others. Condos, townhomes, same thing. Not as big of a of decline. But you also want to realize, like, if you compare with, like, March figures, they're still higher than what they were in March and February. So keep in mind, like, when did that other home sell and have a relative 
measurement to that. Santa Clara. Santa Clara has done a little bit better, right? It's been a lot more consistent. So you can see the figures. The May figures have been a little bit less in April, but still not too much. I would say like 2%, 3% decline. Not a whole lot. And you can see, interestingly enough, even condos and townhomes have continued to rise. So people have just maybe stopped looking at single family as much and bought into condos and townhomes, right? So that's just some interesting points altogether. You can see the same figures proportionally have been lost in the previous time. Let's look at uh, Alameda County. Alameda County, May. This is like counterintuitive to a lot of people. May has been another higher figure. Right. So this is very interesting. This is a higher figure than it was in April. I'm, I'm personally surprised on this. Same with condos and townhomes. Same thing. Right. So all this rhetoric of, oh, prices are tanking. No, the right now, the, the fun fact is housing has been the best investment. Not all recessions mean housing will decline. I think people should just understand that. Because if you knew you were combating against 8% inflation, which assets like real estate has always done very well against inflation over a long period. You have that against you. You have number two, you have stocks not doing well. What are your alternatives? You put into bonds, probably not. You put into stocks, up to you. You put in crypto, really up to you on that. Or do you put in something a much more safer asset like real estate? So as people move money around, like it's still a very valuable and much safer and less volatile asset. And as you can see from the data itself, and we have a, a great buying opportunity at the moment, especially if you have the mindset, which you should, which is over the long period. So these numbers should help you understand, like, look, the, the world is not ending. You can be more conservative. Don't buy that $2 million house anymore. Maybe buy a 1.5. Understand your cash flow. How long would that last you? Are you okay with those monthly amounts? Right? So just adjust accordingly and then adjust where you'll be looking. That's the strategy that I'm telling others if you are a buyer in this market, which is still a very good time and there's still lots of options because now you actually have a lot more choices than you had before. Well, I hope you found this valuable. Of course, if you have any questions or you want to buy, sell, or invest in the Bay Area real estate market, let's have a conversation. My details are below. You can call or text me anytime, 408-547-4590, and we can talk about your, your choices, your options and we can figure out the game plan. See you at the next one. Bye now.